You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're coming in loud and clear. Ladies and gentlemen, we invite your apprehensive listening. Conformity has always been a big issue for me in this film. The Woman King, Viola Davis, embodied that role. Just the walk, the way she walked. Oh, yes. In the character of Nawi, who was just so indignant and so defiant. And then Nanisco's insistence upon her following the rule and doing what she's told. But then in the end, it was the defiance of Nanisco that helped her slay her personal dragon. Exactly. You know, most of us spend our lives conforming and doing what is expected. And we never get to that place of facing our dragons, much less attempting to slay them. But that's exactly what Nanisco had to do. There are so few young women nowadays who do. I feel that way when I defy what is expected of me to just live my true self. That just spoke to me in ways. It brings you to that point because when you slay a personal demon, you get that feeling of power, personal power. Like, yeah, motherfucker called life. That's the best you've got. What's next? What is your name? I'm Kim Jackson, and you're listening to the Afro-Existential Podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to the Afro Existential Podcast, a podcast and audio play at one. I am one of your hosts, Indira Wilson. And I'm Blaine Van Teemer. I was afraid of that. This season, we'll be presenting a brand new audio play entitled Pandora's Trunk and a new interview series entitled The Breakthrough, From Vision to Fruition. In this series, we hear from people who took a great idea and made it a reality. We want to know how they did it and how they got over the obstacles along the way. We hope that it helps and inspires you to make your great idea a reality. Now tell me, uh, what's so special about tonight? As Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is about to break new records, I wanted to reflect back on another breakthrough film, The Woman King, starring Viola Davis. So I called up one of my favorite people to discuss it with me for the podcast, my friend Kim Jackson. Yes, it'll be like old times, darling. But before we go to commercial, here's a sneak peek of our next audio play, Pandora's Trunk. Pandora Washington has been on a quest to find the truth about her birth mother. In this musical number, Pandora is pretty sure that legendary R&B diva Solange played by my co-host Indira Wilson, is her birth mother. And she believes that Solange was secretly explaining the reason that she abandoned Pandora as a baby via her hit song and disco anthem entitled Misunderstood from the album A Ghetto Life Taint No Joke. I don't understand. With music and lyrics by yours truly and sung by the one and only Indira Wilson. Watch what you say. We don't want to hear nothing ugly. <laughs> this is the world premiere of Misunderstood. We shall begin now. Get down. 
understood. I thought success, money, and fame was the name of the game. But it was all a misunderstanding. Honey, I'm not, Honey, a, I'm diva. not a diva. Not a diva. diva. But I am demanding. Being poor, don't, don't nobody, nobody like, like it. it. Honey, it's, it's very clear to me. Being poor, don't, don't nobody like it. The best things in life are never free. Being poor, don't, don't nobody, nobody like it. Honey, take a look at me. Misunderstood. Get a life ain't no joke. Misunderstood. Get me my fur coat. Misunderstood. I was born black and broke. Misunderstood. And then one day I got woke. I grew up in a ghetto. Mama picked the cotton just to make ends meet. I was twerking on the corner just to keep him When I'm gone, I won't miss it. Misunderstood. I live in the very best. I work to embrace. Misunderstood. I did what I had to do. Misunderstood. Hey, my grandma did it to me. right back after a brief commercial break and I'd be a success I did what I had to do my daddy did him too every day I struggle with caring I don't want to have to struggle with my hair get new and improved afro existential sheen shampoo and reconditioner Ow. it goes deep into your roots and uncovers the natural beauty that's been there all the time. Every day I live the struggle. I don't want to have to struggle with my hair. And for added protection on those current days, there's Afro Existential Sheen Super Holding Hairspray. A protein-based hairspray that holds your hair back, but won't hold you back. (laughs) I don't even have to take my earrings off. I hate to think where I'd be without it. Afro Existential Sheen Shampoo, Reconditioner, and Relaxer. Get it today. Your roots will thank you. And that's no lie. Ow. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome back to the Afro Existential Podcast. The Woman King, starring Tony, Emmy, and Academy Award-winning actress Viola Davis, opened in September of 2022. And now as Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, another breakthrough film is hitting theaters, I wanted to reflect on The Woman King. 
The Woman King was directed by Gina Prince Bythewood. And the story takes place in the 1800s. It's about a real-life all-female army that protected the African kingdom of Dahomey. Viola Davis plays the fictional character General Maniska, who is training the next generation of female warriors to fight against a foreign enemy determined to destroy their way of life. John Boyega plays King Gizo, a real-life figure who ruled Dahomey from 1818 to 1858 and engaged in the Atlantic slave trade through the end of his reign. Kim Jackson and I first met when she was a graduate student at Penn State and I was an undergrad. Since that time, she's lived and worked in the United States and Africa in the field of academia for over 30 years. I called Kim on a whim to get her insight on the film and then I asked if she would talk about this breakthrough film on the podcast. This is our conversation. I was just really affected by this movie in a way that I really wasn't expecting. I am a big fan of Viola Davis and I love her and I would go see anything that she's in. But I had a lot of hesitation about seeing the movie simply because of the violent aspect. You know, it's, 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 I've gotten to the point where, you know, I've kind of changed my viewing habits because I just can't take the violence anymore in film and there's so much of it. So it took me until now, a little over a month after its release, I believe, before I actually saw it. And I think our discussion is, you know, really appropriate for the Breakthrough series because my first thought when I became aware of The Woman King and I read a little snippet about what it was about, I'm like, wow, this is a real breakthrough, you know, from the Mammy and Jezebel themes to, you know, fierce women warriors. So it took me a while to center and celebrate the fierceness and the physicality and strength of Black women who were intentionally, you know, warriors just really intrigued me. And I was like, I got to go see this no matter what. I can just squint and hold my fingers up in front of my eyes so I don't really see the violence. I appreciated it as a concept. But when I walked out of the theater, I was like, wow. You know, I was just so full of energy that I really didn't expect. I had decided a couple years ago that I could no longer see these black films where people are slaves they are the brutalization of black bodies and the violence upon black bodies we're now living in this time where it's so real like we don't have to go to pay to see us being murdered and killed you just turn on the news you just turn on the news exactly and so even in theater like mainstream theater there were a lot of black playwrights that were focusing on slavery and modern versions of slavery and enslavement of the black body. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. one of them ended up on Broadway and nominated for a Tony. Wow. That's not what I want to spend my money and my time doing. We have friends and one of the, one of the people asked if we were interested in seeing it. What ends up happening is, is that, you know, you can't keep on turning everybody down because they're going to see something because eventually (laughs) you don't get invited to anything. Exactly. (laughs) 
And, you know, you don't want to explain why you don't want to see this. The person called at the right time and I just said, okay. But I didn't really know. I hadn't read anything about it. And I think we were like going to see it the next day. And so we went and it starts off with violence. Right out of the gate. Yes. I was almost ready to like have to go to the bathroom or walk out, but it had just started. So I couldn't stay in the bathroom the whole time. I was like, oh God, here we go. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, Blaine, put on your big boy panties and just dive into it. I was surprised in a wonderful way. The cinematography was just amazing. The colors, the dust and the smoke, it really kind of pulled you in like you were there. The acrobatic movements in the scenes, the training scenes and the battle scenes. And of course, the battle scenes, I squinted my eyes so I could see just enough to know when the battle scenes were over. I had read it was worthy of seeing it on the big screen because what right. I tend to do is I just wait until I can stream it so I can fast forward through the violence. Right. <laughs> and, and so I said, no, I've been to the continent of Africa. I know what it smells like. I know what the air does to your body and your mind. I know what the smells are. And I wanted to really see that on the big screen. And that did not disappoint. But what really jumped out at me, and I'm going to get to the controversial part in a moment, because that part takes me to another discussion that maybe we'll touch upon. But I'll tell you something, what really resonated with me was the theme of defiance versus conformity. The notion of conformity has always been prevalent in my life. I was born in 1958, you know, in high school, you know, women getting treasure chests and having boyfriends that they knew that they were going to get married to even after high school. You know, I didn't, my life, I feel like has been an exercise in beating back conformity while not being openly defiant like Nawe was, but just the choices that I made or didn't make. I was a nonconformist. So conformity has always been a big issue for me. And it took me a while to develop my defiant voice. And so in this film, in the character of Nawe, who was just so indignant and so defiant and hot-headed. And then Nanisco's insistence upon her following the rules and doing what she's told. But then in the end, it was the defiance of Nanisco that helped her slay her personal dragons. That is something that just so resonated with me. You know, most of us spend our lives conforming and doing what is expected. And we never get to that place of facing our dragon, facing our demons, much less attempting to slay them. But that's exactly what Nanisco had to do. And that just spoke to me in ways. It brings you to that point because when you slay a personal demon, you get that feeling of power, personal power and resilience. Like, yeah, motherfucker called life. What's next? And so I came out of the theater 
with that feeling like, yeah, my own personal acts of defiance of not getting married, refusing to stay with a man who beat me, who went ahead and when I decided to be a mother, went and, go, went and got my baby. <laughs> you know just all of the things that people say to you in passing in social situations that help you conform that are meant to make you conform to the societal pressure that you under so for me that defiance in the midst of the loyalty the sisterhood one minute being extremely focused and fierce about their training and developing their skills, just opposed to the tenderness of the relationships between some of the women and the humor. It made me feel seen in a way that feel like Black women are usually not seen. We're always seen in service to someone else and be when you're always in service to someone or something else, you don't really get to develop your own skills and talents and get to that place of empowerment because you chose, these women chose to forego the man and the marriage and the children to be these fierce warriors. And then Nawe comes along and questions everything. In that questioning, she becomes just a fierce Nanesku 2.0. I mean, this actress, she matched Viola Davis's character in energy and presence. And I just right. have to say that Viola Davis embodied that role. The way she walked, the way she moved her shoulders and her chest and her core, she embodied that. And I think we're all searching to feel that way. And I know that I feel that way when I defy what is expected of me to just live my true self. So it really is a breakthrough. And what got me, I I was talking to my niece who I went to the movie with, you know, when the king was sitting there with his wives and, you know, the one was trying to center some power around herself. I said to my niece, well, there's the Kardashians, you know, sitting there all pretty and perfect and dressed up and, and (laughs) I just got, I just got a kick out of that. And there was just living out her truth. There are people who find it very difficult to conform. They're questioning things and there's, they can't help but speak to it. We have that similarity. It's almost like we don't have a choice. Like we can't not. (laughs) Exactly. You know, we live in a society where questioning and doing that and being your truth of self is really not supported. Not and at all. You can be your true self if it is similar to all the other truths that are around you. If it's in alignment with that. The right? people who love me the most 
did not see me and they couldn't see me the more I behaved in a nonconformist way. They just didn't get it. I didn't have a choice. When you're young and you really can't articulate it, but you just know in your bones, this shit is fucked up. And I was right. thinking about this yesterday, thinking about this movie when I was probably about 10 or 11 years old. I remember the day that I realized that marriage was not for women, that women got the short end of the stick. And I couldn't have articulated it that way, but just watching an interaction between my mom and my dad, there was something in my body that said, that won't be me. Right. <laughs> and so what was so moving about it to be able to be that way and to be within a tribe that's supportive and within that tribe, there's another group that is supporting you to be your fullest. Yes. To see who you can really be. Yes. And even when you mess up, there's someone there to pull you by your coattails and say, okay, you, this is who you are, but you have to home this, like still helping you to kind of be who you fully are. I love the fact that it was not told through a white male gaze. Yes. It was not told through a black male gaze. Mm -hmm. And a story that I was not familiar with. There are so many amazing stories exactly. that we do not get to hear or learn about. And we definitely don't learn about this in school. They're, they're trying to remove who we are out of American history. Exactly. So we exactly. definitely do not see it ourselves from Pan-African or global yes. perspective in yes. all of these stories. You know? And mm -hmm. I also really appreciated the character, the interracial character, Malik. I felt that was a breakthrough moment. I didn't really get him except he was trying to find himself. I don't quite know how I feel about him except for the fact that his mother was Dahomey and she always wanted him to go back there to know who he was. And I guess he was searching. I love that aspect of it. Once again, that was a plot line that I hadn't seen before. Like what? You know, depending on who's telling the story, it's, you know, the tragic mulatto. Right. There's that trope. There right. is the lights can do who you can't trust. Right. Mm. So there's all these kind of like subliminal things that are yeah. attached to when that type of character comes into the story. And the reality of it is, is that, you know, many of us, we have this history, you become attached to who's around you and who you can become attached to. And so even now it's like you can have white friends, but to a certain extent, you have to really kind of always know your place. Yeah. And so there was the nuance of, yeah, he was able to do that and he was able to have access to that world. But the younger dude was always like, you know, don't get it twisted. You know, you could right. be up here on the auction block as well. Yourself. Right? Yes. Him being defiant as well, connecting with this young woman mm -hmm. was, and I felt like that was so beautifully told. It's interesting when something is being told from the, di the director's gaze, wonderful actor, but he was visually beautiful. And that director made sure that you saw him physically as well. Yes. And so he was almost the arm candy. But at the same time, I felt like his character didn't follow any of the traditional tropes that I had seen before. We have all been taken from our home, so to speak, 
and we are trying to get back to kind of discover who we are, you know, and the fact that, you know, he wasn't going to stay there. Right. And she wasn't going to go with him. I just saw him as a tool of, oh, my God, is she going to go with this man now? <laughs> I just saw I really didn't put that much thought into his character. But you're right in that he was a different sort of biracial man. But I just thought he was kind of lost and was attracted to her. But yeah, she because was she was very clear who she was. Yes. But yeah, that's very real, though. Like people, you know, where where what you're skipping over is that normally they would have they could have cast a white dude to play that part. You're right. right? Yeah. There's a whole history of how tropes about certain men and how they treat dark skinned women. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so we know that, you know, there are light skinned men who love and worship and think black Dark-skinned women are beautiful. We don't get to see that in yes. film. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so, like I said, normally that would have been some white actor. Yeah. Right. And so I felt like, oh no, they this is a this is a conscious choice, and this is a another story. But yeah, there are so many levels to this movie. It's going. I think it'll speak to different people in different ways. The, you know, the other thing I loved, there's a scene where she's going through this training process. And what is supposed to happen is you, it's about you getting to that line first. Yes. And you're not worried about who's behind you. Yeah. And so that is a very American way of thinking. Yes. Yes. I know where you're going. <laughs> so she did not do that. And so there, what you realize is there is a different way of being in the world. Exactly. You're talking about how she went back and got her friend through yes. the first that through the thorns. Yes. She still won. Imagine yeah. that. Had a direct competitor right in front of her eyes trying to right. beat her and she still won. Yes. Right. That's black right. woman shit. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> There's a different yes. reality that we are constantly being sold that doesn't really make yes. any logical sense. Exactly. Wow. I mean, Nanisco, you know, her second in command, they saw her for what she was and they right. didn't pay her any mind, really. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was punching above her station. You know, the Kardashian reference for me had to do with people thinking that they're powerful because of their access to power, their proximity to power, and mm. not because of anything that comes from inside of them that's ever been developed. And because they're all made up and pretty and perfect and, you know, the Kardashians, that's another story, obviously, but I refer to them as the Kardashians because they derive their power not through any particular skill or wisdom or gift that they have, except by looking good. And the Kardashians right. are women who carve themselves up and present themselves as like they're the perfect trophy, basically. And they were just trophies sitting there. Let me hear what the controversy is. You know, when I was going through this thing of like, I need to go see it, but I'm, I don't really want to see it, but I got to see it. I did a search online. I clicked the news tab because I wanted to know what the latest was and what the box office was and how it was doing. And then this really brief article had come up about Lupita. 
So she was originally cast with Viola Davis. And she was so excited about doing this movie because it is such a breakthrough film. She took a documentarian and a film crew to Benin to learn more. And as a result, she dropped out of the film and she just gracefully said, this is not the role for me to play. So then there were other articles by Africanists and, you know, other African historians who really struggled with the fact that Hollywood was making a film centering these really fierce warrior African warrior women of the Dahomey when the Dahomey, you know, really enriched themselves and thrived as a kingdom directly through the slave trade. And so they were Africans who captured and sold other Africans outside of their group, obviously, to the slave traders. And people were really, 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 really upset with that. I found that really interesting. And then after I saw the film, it really, I don't know how I want to say this, but it really kind of took over uh, my thinking, not just about the film, but about us as a people. Okay. When you think about the phenomenon of the slave trade and the resulting slavery of the African people and all of the psychic and physical harm that we are still dealing with all over the diaspora of us in Brazil, in Haiti, in the United States, in the UK, in France, you know, we are still reeling from the effects of that. You can react to this. It made me think that, first of all, it's a Hollywood film. So it's not the first film that glosses over or sort of twists certain facts. But when Black people, Africans, wherever, I just sometimes feel blame that we are so locked into a victim mentality that we do not allow ourselves to be full human beings, which is exactly what we suffered at the hands of the Europeans. And so it's a historical fact that this African kingdom and probably other African groups or, or kingdoms at the time, they captured its human nature to compromise or rationalize our actions to enrich or better ourselves. And it's a historical fact that the Dahomey, one of the reasons, I don't know the full history, but clearly it was a very powerful, rich, thriving kingdom because of the slave trade. And so people were really angry that Hollywood would make a film to glorify these women warriors when these women warriors were the ones that kept the kings safe, kept the kingdom safe, and that did the capturing. And I wonder, you know what I'm trying to say? I know exactly what you're saying. We... African, Philippine, whatever. We're human beings. And what does it mean to be human? And part of the human experience is that we sometimes do morally reprehensible shit to 
to enrich ourselves and to empower ourselves and to thrive. And it doesn't make it right, but it's part of what it is to be human. And I just get so tired of Black people. And I understand what it's a function of. It's a function of, you know, slavery and the North, South, white, Black power dynamic and all of its brutality and all of its immorality and the dehumanizing of it. I get all of that, but I just feel like we're missing the point that indeed we are fully human beings and how in the fuck, whether you're in one of those European kingdoms of the Middle Ages and the Renaissance and the early modern period, all they did was fight with each other and brutalize each other. So why do we have such a difficult time acknowledging? And I know that one of the the white people's response, well, you know, we didn't go capture the slaves ourselves and y'all sold each other. And yes, it's true. But that does not preclude the fact that this particular kingdom had a military of fierce women warriors. And I think that story needs to be told. And I, for one, as a Black woman, embodying centuries of all of the collective consciousness of the brutality and dehumanization, I needed to see those women. I needed to know that story. Like you, I didn't know about them. I didn't know anything about the Dahomey. And if I'm going to learn something about the Dahomey, I can learn that they were part of the slave trade while also they were a nation of people with fierce women, highly trained soldiers. Clearly some of this criticism was before people saw the movie or after they saw the movie. It definitely started once it was released, probably when Viola signed on. But once it was released, like, yeah, this particular studio is going to make this particular movie. That's when the criticism started. And then, of course, when Lupita dropped out, it was... I can't be a part of a film that centers and celebrates an African kingdom of people who sold us into slavery. So what is at the heart of that for me is, does being locked into sort of this victimhood of look what's been done to us, even though we're resilient and we carry on and we rise anyway. We never want to air our dirty laundry. And and as African-Americans, you know, that is huge. And that, that gets back to as young people not being seen if you don't conform. And it's so important to conform because we're trying as a group of people to be accepted as fully human, yes. <laughs> equal human beings. So if we are, let's tell it all. Because it gets to, it's why incest and molestation is perpetuated in our communities. You know, the Dahomey, they sold us down the river. Uh, You know, the first thing I want to say is the truth ain't no rumor. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Hello. Exactly. I'm thinking back to when The Color Purple came out. Yes. You remember when that film came out, all of the criticism around how Black men were perceived or depicted and the violence against Black women. The conversation never became, well, Black women were abused. 
Hello? and Wormalest and all these yes. things did happen. So are yes. we going to look over all of that? And what stories will we actually tell Yes, where those things didn't happen? And how do we get to our healing if we cannot? And right. we do what humans do like everybody else. Well, my concern is who is telling that particular story? And so I remember a couple of years ago, I went to see a piece by Susie Laurie Parks, the playwright. And it was called Father Comes Home from the Wars. Mm-hmm. The play? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was an example of, you know, she's a woman of color, but her takes on things are always skewed in a particular way where I can see why white people get behind her work, you know, because her audience basically is a white audience. So that's Mm -hmm. the first thing, right? Mm. And so it's exposing the dirty laundry of Black people and showing Black people in a negative light, primarily just to white people. Right. Right. And so that's one thing. You think, but is the playwright trying to explore these things for white people or she's just trying to unearth the fullness of who no, we are. I think she is mm-hmm. and I know what you're saying but I feel like it is kowtowing to a particular white audience because that's primarily who is going to see her work it's exploring it in a particular way right. and so that goes back to you know she's one of them you know, where it was a whole series of plays that were coming at a certain time. It was about Black people voluntarily deciding to become a slave in some capacity. Mm. And I and it almost feels like, well, if we have a Black person telling this story, then it's okay, because it's a Black person mm-hmm. saying that they want to right. be a slave. I see, I right? see. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's one yeah. thing. I feel like this movie was not that. I like the fact that it told that particular part of the story. Mm-hmm that they did do this, which, Mm -hmm. you know, logically makes sense. I've had neighbors who, if I could have sold them to somebody else and they would have gone somewhere else and lived somewhere else, I would have did that today. You could take their house and add it onto your house to make it bigger. Everybody would do that. Right. Yeah, right. And so, you know, it didn't shy away from that. It wasn't this kind of glorized thing where it was like that component wasn't even told. You have to look at who is telling the story. Yes. And how they're telling it. And I think they were very careful and very smart and very thoughtful how this story was being told. It all balanced out. I don't know Lapita. I don't know what context she she said it in. I don't know if it's the truth. I don't know if they didn't want her. And then she got to say that she did. I don't know what all that is. But I feel like her acclaim is based on playing a slave. Yeah. And so she didn't have a problem going to another country, doing a film about slavery and slaves where she's playing this tortured slave. Like that was okay to do. Well, the truth is the truth, right? So there were slaves here. You came here and did that. To be comfortable or have a much of a disconnect to be able to play as an American slave. And I didn't see 12 years of slaves. So I don't know what kind of slave she was or what was going on. Yeah. Um, But to be comfortable with with the people coming here and being comfortable with doing that, but then having an issue with talking about the things that happen in their own culture. Right. Well, what stories do you want to be a part of telling? Especially if it's, you know, these women at the end of the day, it's really about, like you said, these women who were warriors. Highly skilled, trained killers, <laughs> Mil- you know, militia, military. 
you know, bow down to the queen, Ms. Davis, for pushing this movie through because people don't really understand how hard it is to get Black movies made with a Black lead actress, centering Black women, with a Black Black female director, and a story that the people who are putting up the money, the studios, have never heard of before. Because so often we go into situations knowing our reality and our truth. And if white people aren't familiar with it, then they can't. They make a case won't sell. It won't sell. All hats off to Ms. Davis for that. And so I love it even more because of that. I hope that it, you know, I don't think it will bring forth other movies like this. And I think the next person is going to have to create the will all over again. Yeah. But she did it. Nowadays, where people are looking for to criticize something, I feel like it's the Simon Cowell syndrome, where everything is about criticizing something and trying to be clever or witty or woke yes, or interesting yes, and putting yes, something down. Yes. And we love that. And, you know, we click on that. Right. And we don't know the process of how things get made. And sometimes how you... I'd like to learn more about how the Woman King got made. And I'd like to know more of history around... So did the Dahomey kingdom then fall because the slave trade ended because the way they treated it in the movie was that they were going to stop selling they were going to diversify their neighbors and, and start selling palm oil right. and even the king was like at first child there ain't no money in palm oil like the money we're making now i'm right. sure they were the they were the blockbuster video store of african countries remember how blockbuster who, used to be everywhere yes and blockbuster so didn't diversify Yes, the homie. <laughs> they missed an the opportunity. Homie. Yeah, the, the homies, homie. The, the homies didn't like... diversify, <laughs> and they cut that shit off. That's a lesson to learn from that, right? Right. That if you decide to learn from it, which we, we never, never do. And in, in a previous podcast, we interviewed Kit Shapiro, and Kit Shapiro is the daughter of Eartha Kit. Eartha Kit. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. at the end of it, we said, you know, well, what is next? Like, what are your plans to continue doing this? And she said, well, her, what she had been working on was trying to get a biopic made about her mother. Mm-hmm. And you go, wow, there's not an Eartha Kit biopic? There's never Unbelievable. Been an Eartha Kit biopic. And mm. so Kit was saying in the interview how you have no idea what she has been up against trying to get a movie made. Mm. And she said that she goes into these meetings at these studios and you know these people don't know who Eartha Kitt is as she's explaining it to them they want to know well who is the white male lead going to be wow why does it need to be centered around a white male male right because Eartha Kitt doesn't need (laughs) I mean at all at, at all this woman and her story is so Epic. Ex- epic is the right word. Epic. Exactly. And it's uncomparable to anybody else's story in history. Yep. Of course. Exactly. I can't even imagine her going in talking about this African country that no longer exists and these black warrior women. Kate, I just can't even imagine. Nobody growing up goes to school, learns about the Dahomey Kingdom. Right. I mean, I learned in passing that in quote unquote ancient times well we're talking about a century and a half ago or two centuries ago 
<laughs> um, you know, there were these ancient African kingdoms and, you know, you learn, you, you, you know, I remember knowing about that, but no specifics. You know how no... we learned about it from the Budweiser, from those Budweiser beer calendars. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, even though we live in the reality of, you know, who gets to tell the stories, who has the resources and access to make these big budget films, that's the reality. And I understand that. I want to see art that is told by us that creates a little cognitive dissonance for us because the people who... The black people, I'm not talking about anybody else, but the black people who oppose the movie, who may not have supported the movie by buying a movie ticket and going to see it because the Dahomey were slave traders, I just think is a question that we need to keep being presented with. To Even in the reality that, you know, we rarely get to tell our own stories in the way that centers our truth and our experience and shows us as full human beings doing what humans do. It's just the insidiousness of, of racism. I'm just so tired of it. I'm hoping that you're wrong. I'm hoping that Viola and the Woman King actually kicks the door in a little bit wider for more film or just more art that centers women who are Black and who are fierce instead of always long-suffering and... Right. The resilient Black person who, you know, goes through all this abuse and yes. still is, you know, noble and keeps their head up. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that played out now? We live that. I live yeah. it. I don't need to see it. Hey! And we'll be right back. After a brief commercial break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Alistair Justin Black from Theatre in the Black. Playwright Blaine Tima began writing Dead Weight in 2016. He finished it nearly four months later. The writing of the perfect line in a great play or the making of a line of fine fancy wines takes time. Perfect example is Afro Eggs' new and improved Bougie Beaujolais, a red wine with notes of tang, green apple, tropical punch, black cherry, and invisible grape. It's a fancy wine for those fancy moments. What was true nearly four months ago is true today. It's five o'clock somewhere. Take life one sip at a time. We are so glad you joined us for another episode of the Afro Existential Podcast. 
And a special thank you to our guest, Kim Jackson. I've never had so much fun in my life. Email us your questions or comments at afexpodcast at gmail. May I say it just once more, please? afexpodcast at gmail. Please click subscribe. And follow us on Instagram at the AfroEx Theater. Anything else? Please click subscribe. And if you'd like to see the new music video for Misunderstood, visit our website at afroexpodcast.com. Anything else? Please click subscribe. I know. These days you can't take anything for granted. We'll leave you with more of Indira as Solange singing Misunderstood from our next audio play, Pandora's Trunk. Thanks again for spending time with us, and as always, have a great day on purpose. The Afro Existential Podcast is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Being poor, don't nobody like it. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.